Hello, hello, my lovely audience. It's Nat, Natalie, Naturally Ryan, you know I go by all three. And today, we're here with another episode of When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go? Well, uh, this anxious kid has been very anxious because I have started to watch a lot more true crime documentaries. Because I found a YouTuber who just strictly makes hour-long true crime documentaries. Love that, first of all. Because that's the kind of content I want. That's the kind of content I need in my life. I love I love true crime docs. I, um, I wanted to be an investigator for a really long time. And then I just got incredibly fed up with how corrupt the justice system in America is. And so I now watch these crime shows very objectively to see whether the police are actually handling the case, you know, according to protocol. But if the protocol is already flawed, then, you know, where does that go? Um, but it's very nice background noise for, like, writing papers and stuff. Um, and generally, if I don't watch them, if I watch them on YouTube that, like, independent creators make as opposed to, like, um, investigation discovery, they are far less biased towards the police and they are far more critical of how the investigation is handled. So, yeah, there's a little, little rundown for that. Well, today, the reason I'm so anxious <laughs> is because I, ju- I literally just moments ago finished watching an episode about a girl who was murdered by her abusive ex-boyfriend. An extreme trigger warning on this episode. I'm going to be talking about murders. I'm going to be talking about abusive relationships. That's what's happening today. Um, and actually, it was really creepy because it sounded a lot like an experience I had. And I, like it w- that was so strange to me. Um, I'll give you a rundown. I'm not gonna tell you about the case specifically, but, um, but I'm just going to give you a rundown of, like, very generalized events. So, girl, um, starts dating this dude. They're both in high school. They're both, um, very successful, like, honor students. He's a football player. She's cheerleader. Um, it's in Tennessee, and it's just a very, like, you know, very, um, Americanized ideal of, like, high school sweethearts sort of romance. Well, things are great until he starts to become far more controlling. He can hang out with other girls, but um, he doesn't like it when she hangs out with other guys. Um, He starts telling her what she can and can't wear, where she can and can't go, and she begins to change. Um, And eventually, like, those very small, minute things end up leading to him eventually murdering her. After she finally breaks up with him and calls it off, um, he ended up shooting her. And, you know, that is a scary, scary thing. Because the last relationship I was in, long term, which is about a year, or not even fully a year, but around a year, um, it was very, very much abusive, and a lot of the things that were said were very similar, (laughs) crazily enough. Um, And that just made me incredibly anxious. So then I wanted to, for the episode today, I wanted to talk about abusive relationships. I want to talk about especially how they can impact mental health. Um, Because I'm sure that we all understand that abusive relationships can impact mental health because if someone's sitting there telling you you're worthless, you're going to go, yes, I am. Um, Eventually, you're just going to give in and it's going to very much change your thought processes and how you view yourself. And that's especially what happened in my case. But right before I watched that documentary, I also read about, I read an article about re-traumatization didn't know that was a thing and so i'm learning something else that horrifies me tonight and that is sometimes if you're recounting like if you're telling the story of a traumatic event or you're talking about how bad an event was or someone brings up something that happened to you you can get re-traumatized by your body going through the same stages of trauma and fear than it did when you were first traumatized (laughs) would you look at that 
issues, that also hit a little too close to home for me personally. Because last night I wrote um I wrote a whole blog post, and you can go check out my blog at naturallyryan.com. Um honestly, you should go look at the link tree, because I don't think I said the URL properly. But I made a blog post, I wrote one. The longest one I've ever written. Like five pages. Um and it was about this relationship that I had been in. And once I finished it, I felt shaky and cold and kind of like I was having a panic attack. Very similar to how I felt when I was in the relationship. So I'm gonna say that it's the re-traumatization. <laughs> Am I certain? No. But after reading that and thinking, huh, I just did something related to my trauma and then I felt like I was going through the trauma, all the pieces seem to connect. All of the pieces. If you go through any traumatic experience, you can be re-traumatized by being exposed to memories, sights, locations, sounds, smells, um, or people who caused that situation. And that just connected so many dots. It's explained why I hate walking into hospitals now, even though I'm 18 and haven't been hospitalized for over a decade. It explains why, it explains why certain classrooms that I would walk into in my high school before I graduated would make me freak the hell out because I would remember my ex-boyfriend being incredibly mean to me there. Uh, it explains why sometimes certain streets, I just remember them. And not necessarily a good way. <laughs> because it all goes back to the trauma. Well, this blog post, I really hope you read it. Um, I really encourage you to read it, because it will make everything I'm saying have so much more context. But, um, this blog post, it documents the last night I really saw him and spoke to him and didn't want to fight him. Um, and if you knew everything you did, you would be okay with me finding him, or at least I hope you would. I think that if you're listening to my podcast, you're a little on my side. Well, it was about, um, it started with homecoming my senior year. Um, and he was younger than me, so it wasn't his last homecoming, but it was mine. And that, that always makes me feel so strange to say that someone younger than me abused me. Um, but he was highly manipulative. Um, he was a junior when I was a senior. He was an awful person, and I look back and I always wonder, how did I let myself get to this point? But um, he didn't want to take me to the dance. He did not do it. He refused, and I was like, fine, I'll just go by myself. Um, and I did, and then he just showed up there, and I was like, pardon? Pardon? You what? Um, and so that like always confused me. I was like, dude, you were like bashing on me. You were making fun of me for wanting to go, and now you're here? Okay. Like, he didn't... I don't even know. It was the strangest thing. And I talked about that last night. Um, he made me cry at the dance. He told me that I would never be happy with my life. Um, and he really just tore down my confidence from the inside out. <laughs> and I'm not going to go into horrifying details. Um, I'm not going to go into the depths of everything. But I will give you an overview, because I feel like it's necessary that you have an overview. But... He constantly told me what I could and couldn't wear. He accused me of wanting to get men to stare at me, wanting to get men to flirt with me, to talk with me, to 
and like I was going to try and cheat on him or leave him. Funny thing is, he ended up cheating on me. So, haha, irony's gonna get ya. Um, but he was just generally a really terrible human being. Um, and he would call me awful derogatory things for like literally. I'd be sitting on the couch at our friend's house, and he'd be like, "Close your legs. You look like a whore." And I'd be like, "Okay, great." <laughs> You know, that's- that's what I- You're really just making me feel so beautiful and loved, aren't you? Um, and here's the crazy thing. I refused to break up with him, even after my parents told me to, even after my friends told me to. Even- I didn't want to break up with him, even after there was video evidence that he was emotionally moving on with another chick, and I was sobbing on my best friend's bedroom floor, crying about how he had mistreated me. Like, full-on, like, I mean, a mental breakdown, though. I was in tears. I was so hurt and wounded, and he didn't care. And I still defended him. <laughs> and this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about, um, like, just obviously my experience with abusive relationships and mental health. But, like, I think a lot of people believe that if you're an abusive you're in an abusive relationship especially if you're a woman in an abusive relationship or or if you present as female in a in an abusive relationship people will automatically assume that somehow you're not trying to get out or they always ask the question well why didn't you just leave and i hate that question i hate that question because when i was in that relationship I didn't think he, I thought that what he was doing was to keep me safe. And the reason that this happened was, is because before he started calling me these things, he convinced me through very subtle manipulation that no one would love me if it wasn't him. And I believed him because that was some lingering insecurity I'd still had. I do have very, very deep insecurities about not being loved and not finding love. And I like... I can now admit that, and I can now see when people are exploiting that. But at the time, I was just distraught, because I was like, what if he's right? What if no one is going to love me other than him? Not even realizing that I could love myself as an answer to that. So, he tore my confidence down from the inside out there. Um, and then he built it up in his image, essentially. Uh, and I can tell you that mentally, I was on such a roller coaster every day. I was constantly anxious because if I didn't text him or if I didn't tell him goodbye before I left or if I didn't tell him where I was going, he'd be mad at me. Um, if I wore something he didn't like, he'd be mad at me. If I danced in public, like I, I dance a lot in public. Like if there's music playing in the store, you know I'm going to be bopping around. You know it. It's so much fun. Or like <laughs> I, at pride parades. Like, if I were to dance... If I were to dance in public at pride parades, he would get mad at me. Yeah, he would He would constantly be upset at me for just existing, and he would think that I was doing it for male attention. Disgusting. <laughs> um, and that really got to me. I mean... It shouldn't have. Like, you realistically shouldn't have. I should have... If this had been happening to any of my other friends, I would have looked at that and been livid with the way that my friend was being treated. 
I would have been pissed beyond belief. But because it was happening to me, somehow, somehow it was less worrying to me, which is so strange. It's so strange. And when I read about abusive relationships and how detrimental the impacts can be after, um, generally after one member leaves the relationship, it's, it freaks me out. It scares me. I wouldn't put it past him to show up at my house. Like, it scares me. And I'm, I'm not ever going to say his name. I'm never going to reveal that. I'm not going to give you guys enough information to figure out who it is. If you know, you know. Um, and it's because if you do know who it is, I trust you enough to explain the whole story to you. Um, and if you don't know, you don't need to. This is an incredibly powerful thing. Like, think about how powerful it is. Me, I, I can go out, and I wrote about this in, in the vlog, I said, it's so incredibly powerful that I can tell the entire world about what you did, and you can't sit here and refute it. Like, he, he can't show up and tell me that I was wrong, or that I misinterpreted something. I know what happened. I know what happened. And he can't tell me no. No one knows a thing about him. People don't know his favorite color. They don't know his biggest fear. They don't know the memories that he told me. They don't know the stories that I lived through with him. They don't know that. People are never going to know that. The only thing people are ever going to know about this person is the fact that he left such an impact and deeply painful element of my life that I will spend years moving on from. And he can't tell me that I'm wrong. That's the biggest thing, is I can't be told I'm wrong. I remember one of the few times that I, I argued back. Um, and I said something that I didn't even think. <laughs> like, I didn't, it just came out. And I didn't realize I had said it till after. But, like, we were arguing at a friend's house. And he was saying, I don't even remember what he was saying. It's so deeply buried in my subconscious. But he was saying something. And I said, I'm not going to let you boss me around anymore. It's the maddest I've ever been in my life. And he just shut up. He just shut up. <laughs> and that was, that was an insane moment for me. I was realizing I had the power to, to stop everything that was hurting me. Um, I'm sorry if you hear my cat in the background. He's yelling outside my door, but I can't let him in because he tries to eat my mic cables. So if you hear him, <laughs> he's, he's pretty loud. I don't know if he's loud enough to be picked up on the mic, but he might be. Um, but I'm going to keep talking anyway. And I think that that's really the reason that I devote so much time to mental health awareness, mental health resources, and and helping people create healthy lives for themselves. Because I don't think you can be in a relationship and have it be fulfilling until you're in a healthy place as a person. Um, and I, I, I genuinely think that. I think that you can begin relationships while you're in the healing process. Um, I think that that's completely viable. I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable thing. Um, but I know that there were some deeply rooted issues I had that I had not addressed until someone was exploiting them. And here's the thing. 
part of the reason you don't understand, especially if you if you have a mental illness, especially in my case, like anxiety, I can speak to this the most because I've experienced it. Um, if someone's not always treating you badly, you assume they're going to start treating you good. <laughs> because not every moment was painful and miserable. And I feel like that's something that people don't generally understand, is that not every moment was him constantly pushing me down. There were moments where I thought, hi, hey, maybe, maybe he does love me, maybe he means it, maybe he's been just a little different for the past few months. Um, and then that was never the case. Um, we'd go through these cycles of like, oh, he's so mean to me, he's awful, I'm gonna break up with him too. Oh, well, maybe I should give him another chance. He's, he bought me, he bought me a gift, he took me out for a date, like something, something would happen and it would renew my faith. Um, and then that faith would go away again because it would, it was a cycle. So when people don't leave abusive relationships, especially if it's someone you know has a history of mental illness, especially anxiety, I feel like anxiety sets the groundwork for a lot of people to exploit things based on a lot of people with anxiety have um, a fear of not being loved or not being enough or not being adequate for, for the people in their lives. So people with anxiety naturally need a lot of reassurance. And when there's someone here taking away your confidence and then reassuring you are, you're enough and then taking away your confidence, like you get addicted to those moments when they tell you that you're enough. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible cycle. It's a terrible cycle. But, um, just, that's the issue, is that in an abusive relationship, not every moment is riddled with abuse. They don't start off the relationship being awful to you. Like, if you are to put a, a frog in a pot of boiling water, the frog jumps out immediately because it feels how hot it is. But if you put a frog in a pot of water and slowly turn up the heat, sometimes the frog just dies because it doesn't know it can ever leave. Because if it can withstand the temperature before, what's stopping it from withstanding what it is now? Um, and I don't know like how accurate that saying is. That's a saying that I heard a long time ago. <laughs> but it's just, it's what I always think about here. Because when it started, he was like, I'm going to devote so much time to you and effort and like care. Um, and I was like, wow, this is so crazy. Like, this, what, what? Um, and then it wasn't that anymore. And yeah, it's just, it's such a strange concept. Um, also, that leads me into like, <laughs> with abusive relationships and mental health, you don't always need to forgive. That's a hot take, a hot take, especially coming for someone who works in a mental health field. Um, but for me, the forgiveness wasn't towards him. I don't forgive him for a damn thing he did. Everything he did hurt me and was planned to hurt me. And I know that, and I'm not foolish enough to fall for it again. And i that's something I'm gonna hold on to forever. I am never going to forgive him for what he did, ever. It's never gonna be okay because he knew, he knows he knows what he did. But I can forgive myself. Because for a long time, I was defending him. Um, and then it came to the point where I was like, no, 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 wait. <laughs> no. I need to forgive me, because if I'm defending him, that means I'm blaming me. And I forgave myself. Um, and sometimes that forgiveness comes easier. Some days it's hard, some days it's easy, but... 
I realized that if I didn't love myself, I was never going to find someone who loved me because if I didn't love everything I was, how was I supposed to ask someone to accomplish something that had not already been done? How was I supposed to have someone accept me even when I didn't accept me? I don't think that's quite, I don't think that's very fair. In the wise words of RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? That's what I live by now. That is what I live by now. <laughs> um, yeah, and that cycle of re-traumatization when I talk about these things, part of the, I've never spoken about this. Like, anytime I've had to share my story, I always talk about, oh, I had this hospital stay, and then I had this mental health diagnosis, and then I had um, this loss in my life. I don't talk about this. Mainly because it's, in my entire lifetime, it's still rather recent, but I don't talk about this because it is very painful, and it, it's something that I wasn't comfortable enough facing myself, so how was I going to turn it into a narrative? How was I going to turn it into something that other people could listen to and constructively say, like, that has helped me in my journey? And I think about that, I think about, like, that's kind of when I know I'm ready to process that sort of trauma, is to know if I can write about this, if I can talk about this, if I can make a video about this, that's how I know. If I can write a song about this, I'm over you. <laughs> so, warning to anyone, uh, warning to the people um, that I've dated, and the person I'm dating now, um, if I ever write a song about you, it's either something really good or something really bad. <laughs> um, just as a warning, I uh, want to put that out on the table since I'm confessing everything else, but yeah, um, abusive relationships are awful and they will destroy you and then you'll look back and you'll go how was I so stupid and you have to realize you're not stupid you're not stupid it wasn't you being stupid um, in these moments it was you loving someone who never had the intention of loving you back and if anything I think that speaks more to who that other person was in the relationship not you I think it speaks to the fact that you as an individual were kind and loving and, and looked past the red flags and hopefully saw a good person at the end of it. Because that's what I did. I, I made a good person out of a bunch of mistakes. And out of a bunch of things that probably indicated to me that this person wasn't a good person. And I don't blame myself for that. But I did want to talk about this because after watching a documentary on an abusive relationship gone very, very badly. That made me very sad. And then also reading an article about re-traumatization, I was just like, I need to like get this off my chest <laughs> because I just have to. <laughs> I just need to. Like it's, it's what happened. And I do worry like with YouTube, with, with distributing my podcast and like Spotify and these things, like I always worry if the person or any of the people involved will ever hear it. I, I do worry, and I was very worried when I posted my blog, but I don't use names. I'm not in the business of, of actually outing and canceling someone. I'm never gonna do that. Even to this person, I'd never do that. Um, but guess what? This is my story because it's what I lived through. And I know that if you were to hear the story from him, he would not tell it in the same way. And that does scare me because I'm always worried about, like, is the story valid? And then I'm like, wait, yes, like, I have a memory. Like, I know that that happened. Like, I try to gaslight myself into thinking. 
I try to gaslight myself into thinking about all of those things that he would say were wrong. And I'm like, he's not even in my life. Get that out of here. Throw, throw the whole man away. My heart utterly goes out to you. If you're one of my listeners who's in an abusive relationship, I hope you can find the resources you need to leave because you deserve it. You deserve someone who loves you and you deserve to love yourself more than this half-assed love you're settling for right now. Um, and if you've never been in this situation, that's fantastic. Like I, That is amazing. I'm so proud of you for you know, not doubting how great you are and staying in good relationships. Um, But if you see something in your friend's relationship that makes you question, even for a second, you see like a controlling sort of look or you hear someone say something about your friend's weight or the way they dress, maybe call them out. Because at worst, you just look kind of like a a dick for, for saying like, oh, that, that wasn't very funny. Um, which, if you're joking about someone's weight or the way they dress, it's probably not very funny. I just, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. just at, at worst, it's just an awkward situation that you can laugh off if you guys are actually friends. And then, um, maybe it lets that person know that you're a safe person to talk to. If there is something else going on. So, yeah. That's, that's what I wanted to leave you with. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry that this topic was so heavy. I mean, it's it's a very it's a very real thing, and it's um, something I felt like I had to talk about. So yes, <laughs> um, stay safe. If you are one of my listeners, one of my friends who I know in real life who listens, I love you so much. You are a star, baby. Um, if you're one of my online friends who listens, oh my god, you have no clue how much I love and adore you. Want to give you a hug, but we have distance in between us, but I still love you anyway. If you're one of my listeners who doesn't know me in real life, but is also just listening in because you think I'm cool or funny, you know what? You are an absolute MVP. If you are listening in a country that is not America, wow, oh my god, you have my whole heart because like that's so cool. I don't know how you found this but it's fantastic that you did. Um, yeah, and then other than that, try to get eight hours of sleep tonight, wash your hands, eat some good food, um, and, like, you know, just stay safe. Just stay safe. And I will catch you guys in the next episode.